Hello, Charlie Gladstone here. Hi, guys. Welcome to my Some Good Mavericks podcast, and in particular to my Love in the Time of Coronavirus edition four. As you may know, if you've been listening to this, and thanks very much for the lovely messages on Instagram and via my website that a number of you have sent saying how much you've enjoyed this. Anyway, as you will know, this is something that I'm calling a, a slow cast because I still haven't decided if slow cast is better than slow pop, but anyway, there you go. Because I'm really just asking people questions and allowing their answers to unfold. Everyone's given me really considered and uncontrived answers, and I'm just allowing things to unfold as people speak them, because I think we're in a time of slowness, and that's a good way to go about it. Anyway, the three questions that I'm asking, in case you haven't joined me for the first three editions, are where are you and who are you with? What good do you think will come out of this mess? And Please tell me something really good that you've discovered or found again or started doing during these unusual times. A number of you have asked what I'm doing and where I am, and I realise that I haven't mentioned that. I am in Wales. We are here with Caroline, my wife, and our four younger children, Tara, Xanthi, Kinvara and Felix, Felix being the youngest at 19. and. We're actually having you know, a really wonderful time. I've been ill with shingles. I don't know if you've ever had shingles, but God, it's unpleasant. And um, I think it may have been a result of the enormous workload and stress impact that this virus has had on our business. We are taking a very positive position and we are looking at this as an opportunity to transform and refresh our businesses. We have converted our pub into a community baker, butcher and greengrocer and it's been a phenomenal success. I mean actually it's losing us money but in terms of the impact on the community it's been I think a big success because people are really genuinely using it. Another project that we've started is our 50-50 project which started out as a way of trying to help the creative freelancers who have been so badly hit, despite government assistance by this time. Really the community that surround us through the Good Life Experience and our work at Glendive Cabins and Costages and everywhere else come from creative industries in the, in the, on the whole, not, not entirely. And so we set up a scheme to employ 50 creative freelancers over 50 days at their full standard day rate, no questions asked. And we've used a lot so far. We've used, I think, probably somewhere in the region of 25. We've had 600 applications. I suspect we will extend it quite dramatically um, and it may end up becoming sort of 70 people or so that we um, use. That's great. Another project is that we have converted our cricket pavilion, the Harden Castle Pavilion, which is a wedding venue and an events venue into a microgreen and edible flower and herb farm. It, it's got massive great windows and beautiful big skylights. And um, of course, sadly, all the weddings that we had booked and all the events for the summer or for the foreseeable future have been canceled. And so we figured we would use it to provide fresh grown food to our own shops and, um, 
And that's been fun. It's kept Joel and Xanthi, my daughter and our horticulturalist, um, really well occupied, I think. And it's a good project and that's just kicking off. So that's some of the things that I've been doing while I haven't been feeling really shit with the shingles. Anyway, enough about me. Today's guests are, first of all, Nigel House. Now, Nigel House may be known to a number of you. He's appeared on this podcast before. He is one of the owners of the uh, iconic record store chain, Rough Trade. For many years, we had a shop in London next door to his original shop. And Nigel is very much a member of the Notting Hill community. He, he knows everyone and everybody knows him and everybody likes Nigel very much. And he and I became good friends during the course of the many years that we were together um, as shop owners on that street, Talbot Road. Um, independent record shops are important. And for me, I've dedicated much of my life to pop music and, and I love it and I live it. Um, and I will always buy my records from Rough Trade. They're very efficient online, by the way, and this isn't a sales pitch. They are genuinely efficient and they normally have lovely vinyl editions compared to some are like Amazon. Um, but, but the recommendations and the, the friendship of the record shop is something which is powerful and I, I cannot understate its importance for me. It is one of my greatest joys going into Rough Trade and chatting to everyone and coming out with new records. And normally, of course, those records are great recommendations. One of the things I love about Rough Trade is it's never felt like a sort of exclusive club. It doesn't feel like a sort of boys club, which I think a lot of record shops can. And that's largely down to Nigel. Anyway, enough of my ambling. Here is Nigel House answering my questions. Hello, my name is Nigel House. I'm one of the owners of Rough Trade, the record shops. Of course, our shops are shut right now, but hopefully we'll be open again soon. But in the meantime, we're carrying on doing mail order, which is uh, really great. It keeps us ticking over, and we've got some people who are happy doing that in out of our shop in London, which is really great. I mean, fair play to them for doing it. Um, I live out near Oxford. I'm here at home with my wife and daughter, all driving each other slowly mad. My wife likes to work in complete silence. I like to work with music going, so there are tensions sometimes. My daughter is 22 and she is um, full of beans and getting quite stir-crazy, so we have to take her out every day for a walk to get rid of some of that energy. Our son lives in nearby in Oxford, so we can keep in touch quite easily. Um, I hope that, you know, people will realise from this whole crisis, you know, the important things in life and what ma what really matters and what doesn't matter. Strawberries in January don't really matter, but speaking to your mother and your children really does matter. I know that the things I miss, uh, you know, seeing all our customers, seeing the people I work with and just that interaction with all these great people that I know, um, also going to gigs, I miss gigs so much. And I also miss, you know, the cricket and the football. My mother is 91 and she lives in Cheddar. She's a season ticket holder at Taunton. And she was going down to Somerset this week, down to the county ground this week for Somerset's first game. She's obviously self-isolated and missing it terribly. 
But I guess on the other hand, I've been able to go through all my old racks of CDs and albums and listen to things that I haven't got out for years. And you sort of think, great, what a great album that is. Or conversely, you think, oh, what a turkey that is. Why did I bring that one home? That hasn't lasted very well. I've also been able to spend some quality time with my chilies and tomatoes and my little vegetable patch. Sounds a bit like the good life, doesn't it? Anyway, that's it from me. I hope uh, you are all well and take it easy. Right, and Nigel asked me if we would play Waiting on the Blue by the Deleens as part of this podcast, and that indeed we will do. I know for a fact that this um, Deleen's album was Nigel's favourite album of 2019, and this, I guess, is his favourite track on it. So this is Waiting on the Blue by the Deleen's.
Next up today, we have Amanda Blaney. Amanda is the founder of Doing Death, a podcast and a general resource, and now a book called Do Death on the excellent Do Book Co. imprint, where she is trying to demystify death. It, it, if that sounds grim, then just think about it for a second, because clearly we're all going to die. I mean, I hope that we're all invincible, but I suspect we're probably not. And Amanda is trying to demystify it by talking about it. I recently recorded a podcast for her podcast, and I have a copy of her Do Death book, which is excellent. She's a very engaging, intelligent, and thoughtful person. And of course, we are living in a time of, if not greater death than normal, certainly magnified death through the virus. And so here is Amanda answering my questions. I live in St Albans with my husband and my three children who are 12, 10 and 7. And yeah, I guess at the moment St Albans is a bit of a ghost town, which isn't a bad thing. People are really adhering to the stay-at-home rules, which is really good to see. I think, personally, what I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks, I mean, I, obviously my organisation, Doing Death, is an organisation that helps people to talk about death so that we can so it can enable us to really think about how we live our lives and what we want to do with our lives and I've been really not very active on social media even though I felt I should have been I felt I needed to be quite careful in how I talk about death and also what I want to say to people I'd also like to hopefully see people after this because there's been so many deaths, looking at their advanced care planning, sorting out their wills and looking at the sort of care that they might want if they were, if they had a terminal illness or if they got ill suddenly or if they had an accident and they weren't able to communicate how they would like to be looked after and what medical treatment they may or may not like if they were in a hospital situation. So I'm really hoping that this will make people realise how important it is to have those things prepared and then forget about them once they've done them. At least they're there and it's not someone second-guessing what that person would like. And I'd really like to be able to see an increase in people organising their financial and personal affairs after, after this. So I've really been thinking about what I'm learning from this whole experience. I heard something the other day which really resonated with me, which is obviously we can't go out. So this time really allows us to travel within ourselves. And what I mean by that is it might be uncomfortable for us to sit with this person who maybe we don't know that well because we're always busy. We're always busying ourselves with social engagements or going out or going to work. But now we really have to sit with ourselves and within our own families and really work out who we are, what we want and where we might want to be. And it's, it is very scary. But I think if we can look at this time as a time of reflection, then it kind of puts a different spin on things. It's not like we're locked in. We're, we're more quiet. We're more, even though it's difficult with our family and children around, obviously I know that with three kids, They've been okay, but what I think will come out of this is that we will maybe have a better understanding of us, of who we are, and 
what our life was like before this and maybe moving forward what we'd like our life to be like. And there's an element of grief in this whole process, which is the life that we knew before coronavirus and the life after. And I think maybe the life before we took things for granted, like social interaction with our fellow human beings, and maybe when we get back out there, we might be more appreciative of the good friends that we have and the people in our community. Maybe we'll be a bit more gentler to those in our community who are maybe isolated or alone and need our help. That fills me with some hope because, I mean, I've, I've really got to know my neighbours over the last couple of weeks, we're all on a, um, a WhatsApp group with each other and I don't even know who half of them are, but we've managed to really gel and help each other and just little things like um, someone might message that they're going up to the shops and would anyone like anything and checking on, on the elderly people in our street and I love that. That's the sort of thing I think we need every day. So I'm really hoping that level of sort of closeness and help and kindness will continue after all of this. I think we'll become more adapt. I mean, humans are really adaptable. We don't give enough, ourselves enough credit for that. And in a time like this, this is a massive change that's been forced upon us. So how are people adapting? Well, they're doing classes on Zoom. They're finding ways to reach each other in really creative ways. And I think that's really exciting that it's really made us think, how can I work from home? How can I continue to serve from where I am? What can I give to other people? Like it's really pushing people to think outside of their normal box because you take it for granted that you can go out and teach a yoga class somewhere or do a sing along in a church or, you know, how do we access people in a time like this? So I'm really intrigued by how resourceful we've been. And I think what that really shows us is that as humans, you know, we go through these periods in life where we have this grief, these moments of change. For instance, you know, having a baby or our kids going to school, then our kids leaving home, having a job and then that job no longer being there. And we're moving into a new job or we've been made redundant. These represent times in our life where we feel really uncertain and maybe disorientated about what the next step is. But ultimately, through the good and the bad times and through these good and bad changes, always comes growth and reflection and hopefully an involvement of where we were and where we want to go. And, I, and, and I'm really hoping that this massive, massive change and event will affect us in a, a positive way at the end of it also that because this is a global event we're all in it together so there's a, a more of a unified feeling of globally we're all one we're not separate I think that's this is going to bring us closer together globally to realize that we're not all separate we're not all against each other you know this is something that's affected us all and this is something that I really hope will bring us all a bit closer together. I mean, Brexit was, for the UK, you know, a, a problem in terms of feeling very separated from the rest of Europe and sometimes the rest of the world. And I think no one's really thought about Brexit during this time. It's about how we are going to get through this, 
what can we do to help each other and and being compassionate towards all the other countries that are really going through this as well and some worse than others I think it's really made people send their love and their good wishes and think about what's going on around the world so I think in that sense also there's hopefully a positive to come out of that I mean this is quite a simple thing but I've discovered that years of not filling up my children with activities you know taking them here there and everywhere we've just never been those parents I don't know why I guess I wasn't brought up like that I mean my sister and I used to play for hours and hours in the garden on our own and we had an amazing childhood you know a childhood full of imagination and play and I've definitely brought my children up in the same way so I've discovered that's paid off during this time because they're very happy to go and make up their own games and they they seem very busy doing imaginative play or creating worlds out of Lego or inventing games on the trampoline. So, you know, I hope that lasts, but I'm really proud of how they're coping during this and I've discovered they're, they're pretty resilient, which has been a real bonus for me to be able to see that. On the work front has been a bit more tricky because obviously I've discovered that working at home with three children isn't the easiest when you're trying to be a teacher and work. That's been really full on and I've had got a massive appreciation of teachers and how they keep children interested and wanting to help them learn is just... It's an amazing profession. So I've got a completely new love of teachers and appreciation of teachers. And I'm really, really grateful that my husband is a music composer. And so he's a really good editor. And he's been editing my podcast, Doing Death, because I have got a new series coming up. So that's what I've been trying to work on in between teaching the children and just managing. So I'm really grateful for having him around to be able to do that and discovering that actually we're pretty self-sufficient as a couple. We don't need to be in an office. We both work from home. So we're already adjusted to working from home. It's That's not a big jump for us. So yeah, I guess I'm just hoping out of all of this and that we all learn to be a little bit more appreciative of each other and that relationships are massively important to us, but also to really dig deep within ourselves and find a peace to find who we really are and what we'd really like to do after these restrictions are lifted and we can go back to a sense of normality but I guess it's about thinking about what that normality will be and hopefully it will be a sort of shinier, more beautiful, more grounded approach to life that maybe we took things for granted before and maybe we won't moving forward. Next up, we have James Sills. Loads of you will know James through his excellent choir work at the Good Life Experience for many years and at our camps at Glendye and in our pub, the Glen Arms. James also is the author of Do Sing and most relevantly, recently during this lockdown, he launched the Sofa Singers where hundreds of people join him on the internet to sing a song each week. He, he's incredibly good at it. He, he really is spectacularly good at it and we all six who are here in the house went online to one of his Sofa Singers sessions about a week ago 
We were singing Sit Down um, by James, which is one of, I suppose, Britain's great sort of anthems. And it was, it was really, really wonderful and heartwarming and beautifully put together. And of course, the best bit was at the end when Tim Booth, the singer of James, appeared in his house in California to talk to us all and join us in singing the song. It, it really was a very special moment. And I know that James's work is really resonating with people at the moment. It's actually quite hard to get a place, but don't let that put you off. They can be got. And um, it's well-deserved because he's a special man. So here is James and his ruminations on my questions. Hi, I'm at home in the hills in Flintshire in North East Wales. I live up on Hope Mountain, which is only a few miles from where you are, Charlie, I think. And um, I'm with my family right now, with my uh, two young daughters and my wife. Yeah, it's a great question, Charlie, and um, one that I would very much expect you to be asking at this time. So thank you for your your optimism, because you know this is a horrible situation that we're in. Um, we're all being affected you know adversely in, in lots of ways by it but I do think there's already a lot of good coming out of it you know one is recalibration of value and the people that we value and I mean this you know personally you know we're probably prompted to get in touch with those people that we really care about and we maybe haven't been in touch with for a long time or haven't been in touch with as much as we want you know so I'm speaking a lot more to my parents um on the phone and on FaceTime, which which has been really lovely. But there's also been a recalibration of kind of a, a general societal thing. You know, who do we value? Okay, well, actually, it's the NHS workers, it's people in social care, it's people in the supermarkets, many other jobs that are just helping keeping society running and keeping us healthy. And for far too long, those people have been overlooked, you know, have been given really rubbish working conditions etc so I really hope and think that that will be something positive that will emerge out of that that will recalibrate value and I think that 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 extends to many things you know we're all being forced to stay at home Uh, we're all being forced to explore what our local environment is and what our local environment has to offer us you know in terms of um, you know, getting to know your neighbours better, looking out for each other, um, you know, what your kind of natural environment around you might be rather than jumping in the car. And I think that's really to be encouraged, you know, celebrating the local, whether it's you know, local food, um, your local community. I think for a long time, um, you know, Western societies operated where you know, we're just becoming more and more atomised from each other, whether it's in our work or in our communities and and this is something that you know I've been aware of for a long time and and in my work as a singing leader you know the thing that's at the the core of my work is community and bringing people together and so you know in a way I'm really glad that people are waking up to that that that's why all these zoom meetings have been so popular because people realize that we need each other you know we we're a social species we need that face-to-face contact and I think another thing that's good that will come out of it is that you know, people might return to kind of craft a little bit more. And by that, I mean, you know, we, we kind of forced 
to make our own entertainment at home. You know, we're making things more, whether it's food or things around the house or whatever, or just making your own entertainment. You know, the other day I was out with my two young daughters and we were sailing Sylvanian families down the stream <laughs> in a little boat. You know, we probably wouldn't have done that if um, we'd have had infinite options to, you know, where we could have gone out for the day to the zoo or to the park or whatever. Uh, and I think I think that's good. I think that, you know, we need to do that. We, we should... We can't keep outsourcing everything, you know, whether it be food or entertainment or whatever. You know, there's so much within our own resources. And so I think that is potentially really exciting. And I guess the last thing um, is recalibrating our relationship with the natural environment. Who knows what the aviation industry is going to look like after all this. And... Um, you know, for me, I just, I love exploring the UK, the British Isles. What we've got here is just amazing. Um, if I was told I couldn't get on an aeroplane ever again, you know, it it wouldn't ruin my life. It, it, you know, we need a healthier relationship with the natural environment. And I think this is going to force us into that. We've all noticed things. You know, we've, we've noticed the birds singing louder. We've noticed cleaner air. And um, this is just after what, you know two or three weeks of lockdown, imagine if we were able to seriously reduce our carbon emissions, seriously reduce our air pollution. You know, what kind of world would that look like? Coupled with a world where people are stronger in their communities, they're taking charge more of their own life in terms of creativity and, and things like that. So look, you know, I might be being idealistic here, but like you, Charlie, I'm, I think I'm... Um, a pragmatic optimist <laughs> and so I think the signs are really really positive let's see well three weeks ago I I kind of started an experiment I mean m my thing is leading singing whether it's in choirs or workshops or at festivals and, and obviously that's all completely stopped um, for the time being and, and so three weeks ago I set up you know an experiment where I invited people to join me in a digital space where I would lead them through a song and everyone would sing remotely and um 500 people showed up to the first session and then 24 hours later we appeared on, on the BBC Six O'Clock News and um, it's been, you know, a, a bit of a whirlwind to be honest, Charlie. There's been such a huge response to it, such a huge positive response from the singers who've been taking part in the sessions, which are now twice weekly. Um, and this is singers from all around the world. I think we're up to about 30 different countries. But also the, the interest from the press and the media, um, you know, desperate for a kind of a positive news story. And so, you know, there's been new stories going out in the in the UK, in in the, in the newspapers, but, but also in America as well, which is just, um, you know, it, in, incredible. Um, be, because in a way, it's the thing I've been saying for a long time and, and what I, you know, I talked about in my book, which is about our need to reconnect with each other, our need to come together as community and how that singing has just a whole raft of benefits, none of which are about, you know, singing ability or one's own singing perceived singing ability you know things like it you know it helps us relax it helps us you know it releases endorphins helps us feel more connected and what I've been amazed to find is that actually a lot of these benefits seem to transfer into the digital space you know we don't have an option at the moment other than to to meet digitally and to connect digitally but it's really made me think about well you know when all this is over this is something I need to keep doing because you know there are many people hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, who are already very isolated and housebound anyway, and who 
haven't been catered for for a long time, whether it's through singing opportunities or, or what other aspects, I suppose. So yeah, so it has been amazing. It's been overwhelming. It's been exciting. It's been thrilling. Uh, and most of all, it's been just humbling to hear how it, it's been genuinely helping people. You know, a 45-minute remote sing um, really seems to be brightening a lot of people's days. And so I'm just really happy to be able to do what I can do. I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm not a, a frontline worker, but I can um, help people sing. And so I'm just really happy that, that that's been helpful to some people at least. Thanks so much, James. Finally, this week, we have Ella and Amy Meek. Now, Ella and Amy are actually the first children to appear on the Love in the Time of Coronavirus podcast. Um, I'm sorry, I don't really know why they're the first children. They are campaigners against plastic, and they have a book coming out on Dorland Kinsley in about a month, the 7th of May, called Be Plastic Clever. It's by Amy and Ella Meek. They have been long-term friends of the Good Life Experience and they will be returning this September to host some, a series of talks on our children's campfire and also at our sustainability takeaways. So here are Amy and Ella. Hello, I'm Ella. And I'm Amy and we're 14 and 16 years old. We're spending this time in quarantine with our mum, our dad and our dog, Griff. Oh, and Trevor, the school guinea pig. Well, Amy and I run a campaign and charity called Kids Against Plastic against the huge issue of single-use plastic pollution. So we're especially aware of environmental impacts. And since this mess has begun, we've actually started to see some positive environmental benefits uh, such as p- less people going out in their cars, so that's causing less air pollution. And it's really nice to see that uh, in this whole mess of a situation, there are some positive impacts and benefits that we're seeing. Yeah, and I think really importantly, it's also shown that we can make these reductions. You know, we've been given very small deadlines by the UN to tackle things like climate change which are super important and yeah it's been delayed and it's been said that you know we can't reduce carbon emissions like this and yet whilst we can't go forward living in total lockdown like the last few weeks and never going out in our cars you know it's just shown that in the future we can go forwards um, being more aware of the environment and reducing things like our carbon emissions which is really important to do. We're currently in our Easter holidays, which has given us a break from all of the schoolwork that we've been set over the past few weeks, which has been nice. And it's given us a chance to kind of have more time to try out new things and find new hobbies. And for me, I think one of the biggest things that I've been doing is is baking. And I've kind of got into that, which I didn't realise how much I enjoyed it. So it's been nice to start doing that. We've also both started to learn the piano again because Mm. we found this dusty old keyboard in our garage um from when we were younger and we both stopped having piano lessons when we were about eight and six years old I think it was so it's nice to get back into that and playing that instrument again oh and also now might be a nice time to do a cheeky plug of my book because I've got a book called Be Plastic Clever coming out in less than a month now on the 7th of May so this time of lockdown has given me some time to dedicate to making promotional materials for that, videos for my publisher, um, which has been really nice to properly dedicate some time into that. 
Well, that's it for today. For edition four, I will be back with more. The answers are flooding in. I'm so grateful to everyone for contributing. I'm so grateful to you for uh, coming and um, joining me. And, and thanks for the lovely comments. Um, you can reach me either via my Instagram, which is Chaz Gladstone, or on my website, via my website, which is charliegladstone.com, or just say hello when I next see you. But stay well. Please try and be cheerful. Be optimistic. Everything's going to be fun. And lots of love from me. And see you soon. Thanks. Bye.